Hey, welcome to After Church Apologetics. I'm Courtney Seacrest here with Dr. Chris Jakeway and Pastor Leo Wilson, and we're inviting you to join us today in uncovering the truths that will challenge, inspire, and expand your perspective on Christianity. So let's get started. Today, the question that's been submitted says, why does God feel absent sometimes? How come he doesn't talk to us audibly? And how do we know if he's talking to us? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I feel like there's a couple of contexts where people ask that. I think the first one is somebody goes through something really hard and they're, they're suffering and they're like, where is God? And I like to ask them a question. I'm like, well, if you were to close your eyes and think about that, where do you see God? And they're like, I, you know, he wasn't there. I felt like he, I'm like, well, biblically, we know God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere present. So in reality, he was there sitting next to you. So I think your real problem is like, why did I have to go through that? You know, why didn't he do anything? And I'm like, well, he did. He was sitting there with you. He goes through those things with you. That's one of the things about the cross is that it, he's present in our suffering. He's, he's not just abandoning us. He's not gone. He's not absent. And so I, I think sometimes we confuse that and we just are, we're struggling and we don't know what to say. I think the other thing is a, is a fun story that I usually tell people about like, well, why, why can't God just be more obvious to us? Why can't he just be there and how it's, it's not realistic. And the example story is this, imagine back in the medieval times, there was a king and this king saw this peasant girl and it was, he was really interested in her and wanted to pursue her in a relationship. But the problem is he's the king. So if he goes and asks anybody to marry him, the answer's got to be yes, because he's, you know, it's the king. You can't refuse the king. Not only that, he's good looking, he's wealthy, he can, he's just so, he's awesome. He's great. So no one's going to say no. Well, he doesn't want to force her into that relationship because the king wants somebody to love him for who he is. So what's he do? Well, much like what Jesus or God did when he came, you know, to this earth, he becomes like one of the peasants, right? So he, he comes down there and he introduces himself. And the girl doesn't know he's king, doesn't know he's God, for example. And then because of who he was in character, but not because of who he was as far as stature, she chooses to have that relationship with him. And I think that's what God wants for us. Chris, what do you, what, I forgot, you said something about Pascal at one point in time. Yeah, it reminds me of what uh, Blaise Pascal said about the hiddenness of God. Uh, God speaks to us through his word, and so that's why we want to be reading scripture regularly. But while God gives us enough evidence to head us in the right direction, to know that he's there and that his word is reliable, God still withholds the kind of evidence that would allow us to know everything with 100% certainty, uh, so that choice is still ours. I mean, when, when people say, why doesn't God speak in an audible voice? Or, you know, I've had people uh, say to me, well, if God really wants everybody to believe in him, you know, why doesn't he perform some uh, astounding miracle in everybody's bedroom at midnight or, you know, whatever? Uh, a camel with its head on fire runs through the house and there's a blinking neon sign that says, you know, this is God, believe in me or something. It would take away our ability to make that choice. God wants a relationship with us and that's 
based on choice. Uh, that would be the equivalent, kind of like you said with the king, that would be the equivalent of this a thousand foot tall guy moving in uh, to a house next door to you and, and saying that he hopes you can be friends. You know, you, you kind of don't have a choice. So God reveals enough to send us in the right direction, but withholds enough evidence to where we still have the freedom to choose to be with him or not to be. Yeah, I think if I was to even sit there and say, you know, you could phrase a question like this. We, clearly God can split the waters. He can create a burning bush. He could, you know, give you water out of a rock when you're thirsty. He can do all these miraculous things. Maybe the question is, should he constantly be doing those? Does that allow us to have a faith-based, loving relationship with him? Like how much of it, to your point, becomes this idea of just, well, obviously we have to do it. And it's not even a sincere relationship at that point. It just feels like an obligation. Well, and we also make the assumption that if people witnessed a miracle, they would automatically believe. But in Scripture, that clearly wasn't the case. Right, right. I mean, there were people... If I perform these signs for you, you know, exactly. even tired inside, I want to believe, but you won't. Yeah. Right. And so uh, for the person who just wants to deny anything miraculous, which is what... Uh, speaking out loud for God would be, well, then they'll still come up with some reason to dismiss it if that's their choice. I think to add that last question, how do we know if he is talking to us? You mentioned earlier the idea of reading scripture, but here's how these two go hand in hand. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, God wants me to be happy, you know, and for example, like, and I'm not happy in my marriage, so I should get a divorce because this is what God wants. He wants for me to be happy. And it's like, well, look, I understand you feel that way. And I understand sometimes we confuse feelings with what God could be saying through us spiritually or to us spiritually. But this is where scripture is so important, right? God won't say something against scripture. If he says he hates divorce, then you're not going to hear he loves divorce. You know, if, he, if you hear the idea of, I think I should take this money from somebody, then you're not going to hear thou shalt not steal, Right. I think we have to always use scripture, which is why it's so important to be reading in, in your Bible, because it makes it clear what's the difference between your feelings that you have in the flesh and what you understand spiritually to be what you should be doing in God's word. So if somebody says, God told me to marry you. <laughs> yeah, the, the three qualifications that I so remember when I was single by Dr. Chris Jakeway was, well, here's how you know that. Is the person already single? Are they a member of the opposite sex? And are they a Christian? Um, if those three are there, it's a possibility that he said that. But other than that, there's not this one person out there that's meant for you. Now, that really got people upset before <laughs> because, and you can explain the philosophical downfall. Well, of, you know, when people say, uh, you know, I'm going to see this person for the first time, I think he or she may be the one. <laughs> You know, what are the implications of there being one uh, person for you? Now, granted, when my wife says to me, don't you think we were just meant to be together? I'm not an idiot. I say, <laughs> of course. But think about the implications of there being just one person for you. Um, if any single person got that wrong, like Courtney, if God intended for you to be with Jake and only Jake, no one else, but 
you chose someone else, then you've not only messed up your life and Jake's, but the person that you chose instead of him, and then the person that Jake will be with instead of you. The which whole mean, earth will burn down. Right, that's Those right. Two pe- I mean, and on and on it goes, right? So uh, uh, obviously a person, and my wife would say the same thing, uh, sure, today, yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, being married to someone else, but anyone can become the one for you if you choose each other and choose to grow in Christ together. I mean, that's that's the key. But uh, I think it just sounds more, probably more uh, romantic if it's very fatalistic. Yeah. You know, like when people say, well, I wonder if this is going to be the one. Um, if you live in Michigan, hopefully the one for you lives here, because if the one for you is in, uh, you know, Australia, you might be in trouble. Yeah. You might never find them. Thanks for hanging out with us on After Church Apologetics today. To submit a question for a future episode of our show, you can email us at podcast at bcfriends.org. Remember, the pursuit of truth is ongoing. So we'd like to encourage you to continue seeking and engaging with the topics that we've discussed for yourselves. And as we conclude this episode, we want to remind you that respectful dialogue can bridge gaps and build connections. We'll see you next time.